0: That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk.
1: All right. Welcome in, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Hope you had a great day. We're off to a wonderful start here on Sports Talk. 888-898-2525 is our phone number. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number. So, Shane Beamer. Sharpened his axe, sharpened his axe over the holidays. And today he fired his running back's coach, Montario Hardesty. LSU fired pretty much their entire defensive staff, including former Gamecock defensive line coach, Jimmy Lindsey. You just never know, do you? I mean, he left South Carolina for more money at LSU. Now he's out of a job. Uh, North Carolina firing uh, their defensive coordinator. So it's that time of year, coaches are making changes. Sometimes they make these changes because they feel like they can improve themselves in those areas. Sometimes they make these changes. Let's face it, head coaches know by firing assistant coaches, it takes the heat off of them in a lot of cases. Because now the fans will say, see, he was the problem. It was because of him we sucked. So they make those moves. They have their sacrificial lamps. Monterio Hardesty. Can you blame him? Well, in his three years at South Carolina as the running backs coach, he was an original hire of Shane Beamers after being at Charlotte, former standout running back at Tennessee. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not laughing at that. Uh, Mr. Klutz also known as your host, uh, has a habit of knocking over his iced tea, which is full of ice. And, like, I'm watching the river of iced tea edge towards my computer. And Pat was nice enough to go and bring in about, I don't know, uh, half a roll? Half a roll of (laughs) paper towel to try to see if we can dam this thing up so it doesn't burn up my computer. By getting in there. Anyway, where was I? I got off topic. Montario Hardesty. So, it's true. It's true. The running game at South Carolina was progressively worse. His best year was his first. They averaged 137 rushing yards per game. His second year, 118. This past year, 85. One of the worst figures in the nation. So, it's his fault, right? You look at him, it's his fault. But then again, you have to look at kind of what he had to work with, don't you? Uh, Look at the running back room. He had Marshawn Lloyd in his first year, and, of course, he was coming off a knee injury. And then in his second year, he had Marshawn Lloyd as well, and he had a couple of others. Um, Hang on on a second. His first year, he had Kevin Harris, and Kevin Harris – Was coming off a thousand-yard year, uh, had about six hundred or so yards that year, and then went on as a six-round draft pick. He also had um, Ladame, was it Ladamean? The uh, White, the transfer from Florida State, who also got a shot in the NFL, got invited to a camp. Um, And then in year two, he had Marshawn Lloyd, and then this past year, you know what they had? They had a mishmash of running backs, though Mario Anderson did emerge as a a guy that rushed for over 700 yards. But look up front. Look at the line of scrimmage that South Carolina has had. Had this year, had the previous year. Maybe their best line in his three years was the very first year and you wonder you know could Jim Brown Gale Sayers Emmett Smith et cetera, could they run behind those offensive lines it's all got to work together it's all got to work in unison you got to have the offensive line and you have to have the talent in the backfield and so you you the easy thing here is just just point the finger at Hardesty now Matt now look I, was he a good recruiter maybe some of the you know Some of the blame from the standpoint of who was in the uh, running back room, you, you look at him as the running back's coach, but sometimes it's not always the position coach. Sometimes it's the uh, area coach, the territorial coach. A lot of things go into the recruiting uh, game planning and the end result. And a lot of times now it's not about the recruiter or it's not about the position coach. It's about the dollars. And maybe South Carolina wasn't paying enough money to some of these better running backs to get them to come to South Carolina, just like the running back at Washington, Johnson, who was a mainstay in their backfield, uh, who was a transfer from Mississippi State, if my memory's right, visited South Carolina. They were in on him before he ended up going to Washington. Anyway, uh, that is that. Uh, South Carolina is now in the market for a running backs coach. We'll see where that goes. And also, Shane Beamer ha- put out a, an alert for a commitment mid-afternoon. They've got a few guys in for official visits, all transfers. And there's an offensive lineman from North Carolina Central who's a grad transfer who was the MEAC Offensive Lineman of the Year, FCS third-team All-American and HBCU All-American. Of course, all MEAC as well. Uh, it could be him. Uh, It was not uh, Huggins-Bruce. Yeah, it was not Huggins-Bruce, the wide receiver from Louisville, because he's just getting in this evening on his visit. And same thing for the offensive lineman transfer from Houston, who just got in late this afternoon on his official visit. So, And I haven't had a chance to see if anybody has identified who that alert was for. So we do know they do have a commitment from today, from the – I'm assuming, the group that uh, that has come in for official visits. And they're going to have official visitors pretty much every day the rest of this week as guys who are transferring are able to take official visits through the weekend. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, what else? Um, oh, we got basketball tonight. We have got Clemson playing at Miami as the Tigers go for their second straight ACC win on the season. Tigers won at Pitts back in December for their first ACC win. They're up to number eight in the net ranking. And this Miami team might be without, is expected to be without, uh, two of their key players. Uh, this will certainly help uh, the Tigers here as far as the matchups go. One of those is their best player, Nigel Pack, according to a, a story. Uh, written by the Miami website, uh, Kane Sport. And according to uh, Coach Laranega, it looks like Miami will be without Nigel Pack, who is uh, averaging about 13 points per game, and Wuga Poplar, another guard averaging 16 points a game. They're both dealing with injuries. You know, Pack last year had 20 points in Miami's win. At uh, Clemson. And so, hey, you take the breaks when you can get it. We'll find out from Clemson if they're going to be healthy. You know, they've been dealing with some injuries as well. Alex Hemingway has been out. Uh, The transfer, Clark, has been out. So they're missing some people as well. We'll See if they'll be healthy for this game. This Miami team, boy, you know, it's too bad they won't be healthy. Be a great matchup all the way around. They They are long. They are athletic. Uh, they, you look at their numbers to this point in the season, they are among the best shooting teams in the country, both in terms of three-point shooting and uh, overall field goal percentage. They're also one of the best defensive teams in the country in overall field goal percentage. So this is going to be a, uh, a good ball game, a good test for Clemson on the road, and we'll see if they can pull out another win against a, a quality opponent and live up to the hype that's being built around this Clemson team. Uh, Joe Lenardi had the Tigers as a number two seed, the number eight seed overall, uh, going uh, into this week. Uh, Clemson's 11-1, 1-0 in the ACC. Miami is 10-2, 1-0 and in the ACC. And they're coming off a win over North Florida, 95-55. They've won three in a row. Wins over LaSalle, Stonehill, at North Florida. Now, they did lose a game to Colorado, big, by 27 points, 90-63. to And they also lost a game to Kentucky, big, 95-73. So their two losses have been pretty uh, one-sided. But they have beaten Georgia, and they have beaten Kansas State. Uh, They have beaten UCF, 88-72. Uh, Their ACC win was over Notre Dame, 62-49. So they've had a mixture of some quality opponents and some walkovers. LIU, um, Stonehill, uh, New Jersey Tech. So we'll see what Clemson can do with this team tonight uh, against Miami. Again, uh, long and lean. You look at uh, their starters, they go 6-7. 6'5", this is assuming that Poplar can start, Uh, he's 6'5". Norshad Omier is one to know, a 6'7 freshman from Nicaragua who has been terrific for them so far, averaging about 18 points and almost 10 rebounds per game. Uh, Did I say freshman? Wrong. He's a junior, he's a forward. He's a fourth-year junior. you got to keep an eye on him. Uh, They have a 6'8 freshman guard, Keyshawn George. So in their backcourt, they can go 6'8", they can go 6'5", 6'7", 6'2". Looks like they start to four around one. Four guards and then Omier in the middle. So that is the lineup that you'll see unless Nigel Pack is able to play. This lineup does not include Nigel Pack tonight for Miami. That'll be key uh, one way or Another uh, pack is averaging um, a little over 12 points per game, about 13 points per game. So they would need him um, certainly to help offset what Clemson can do. All right. Uh, your phone calls are coming up in a sec. And also tonight, uh, Coach John Combs will be with us with Hooping and Hollering. We talk high school basketball around the state of South Carolina. We're now into region play, coming off a big holiday in which we had a lot of tournaments around the state. We had the Chick-fil-A, we had the beach ball, we had others. We'll talk uh, with him about that, so I think we'll have a special guest. And then S.C. Wild with Major uh, Billy Downer at 7.35 tonight as we kick off the new year, and his special guests will be Molly Neese, and they're going to be talking waterfowl tonight. So you have questions about uh, waterfowl? In South Carolina, this will be the time to call. Molly will be along. Major Downer will be along. And we will rock and roll with that at 735 tonight. All right. So we have set the scene for you. Let's get to the phone calls. Love to hear what's on your mind. If you couldn't get through last night, go ahead and join us tonight. We'll get you on the air. 888 898 South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number, That is the lucky number to get you into sports talk tonight. All right, Pat, why don't you tell us where we're going because I just signed on board. I don't have my list. Oh, I got it now. We go to Tiger Bryan. We go to Tiger Bryan in Lancaster for the first time in 2024. Tiger Bryan, hope you had a great holiday and happy new year to you and the missus and all the youngins and all the cousins and all the pets.
2: (laughs) Hey, I'm Jay Wood. I'm glad to, say well, but you know what I'm glad for? I'm glad I got sports talk for another year, 2024. Yes, sir. Because I don't know how many years I've been listening. But hey, the day I die, I'll be listening. And I'll be calling. Well, you I hope me? that's
1: another good 30 or 40 years. I hope. <laughs> and I don't mean to put a, a time stamp on you there. I don't mean to limit, yeah. but you know, a good we'll give you another good 30 to 40 years and We'll yeah. give the show that as well, so that means uh, you know, be in the seventy to eighty year range.
2: That'd be cool. Well, they're not going to run you off, before Boy, they, they run me off the show. You know what I mean? No, I don't know. You I know, think so. I've made the station
1: owner mad with my <laughs> with my T stream here this afternoon. I've already gotten an angry yes,
2: note. I I have a couple of questions for you, and then I'm going to have to give a shout out one of my damn, one of my good friends' daughter, uh, wife's birthday. Yeah. I got to give her a happy birthday. They just do show. They love they love Tiger Bryan. They Gamecock fans too. They still love Tiger Bryan, you know. That's unusual. But yeah. uh but you know. Well even oh, Gamecock Larry wait, wait, loves
1: you. Gary Gamecock Larry loves you, Tiger I Brian. love Gary Larry too. I hope he's doing good. No, he's doing fine. We heard from him last night okay. he's he's kicking. I heard a little bit of it. I
2: was I was busy with the while. But anyway, Uh-oh. I got uh if we hey, if we lose Shipley and Moffat, you think them young bucks score back mean running back's gonna be able to tote the no?
1: Well, you'd rather have Shipley and Moffa back if Aye. not both at least one, you don't want, but you know if you're gonna be young somewhere, running back is the place to be because outside of learning pass pro, what do he ask them to do? Run the football, hit the hole, and score touchdowns, you know. So yeah, I think with the the quality of running backs that they have recruited, David IzioMi sounds like a yep. really good cor- uh, a really good running back prospect. Um, if they lose both of those guys, they'll be they'll be a little thin in the running back room. So you, you well, really don't want to yeah. lose both of them. I would think that both of them would look at one another and say, "Are right, you going? You staying?" and decide, "Okay, if you're leaving, I'm staying." Or if you're staying, I'm leaving. Um, unless they like each other enough and they uh, they have that kind of relationship where they feel like they can continue to work together. But you look who's in the running back room
3: now. I, I think mean, it's, Stout. You, I, I, I'm going to jump in and disagree with you real quick. Just looking at it, I mean, Keith Adams has come in and he's, no. a, he's a bruiser. I mean, no. he could come in and replace, replace uh, Maffa as more of a goal line guy. No. Then you got more of the speed, Jarvis Green, but Jay Haynes is who I'd have my money on. The red shirt mm-hmm. freshman. Uh, who came out of the state of Alabama, he's electric. He only scored – I'm sorry, he only had 13 touches as a freshman this year. Uh, But he has elite speed. He has power. He lowers the shoulder. I wouldn't be surprised if both guys do leave, and I'm not saying they should. I I think for Clemson's sake, they probably would prefer to have them both back. But if they were to leave, I think he's got some horses in the running room that could step right in. Well, they lose Dominique Thomas as well. He's transferring out. So,
1: you know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Haynes – Adams and Green, we don't know anything about them. Uh, we don't any, really anything, know anything about uh, uh, Easy as well on a college level. Until he gets there, I think they'll be. I think they're going to be pretty thin in the running back room if both of those guys leave. If one returns, then you got your main horse, and then you can develop the other guys behind them. Um, I just don't see it. I, with the, with the three they've got. But none of the three have played uh, meaningful minutes when you talk about Adams, Haynes, or Green. Now, maybe they've got something, you know, there, and, and and they will emerge. But I'd be a little concerned if I'm Clemson if I lose both of those guys. I'd be a little concerned about what I've got in the running back room.
2: Can I speak? Yes. Okay. I heard all i want to hear about that. I want well, you, to, you asked hey, a I want question. Hear... Did you not ask a question? Uh, I, you gave me the answer, my brother. Hey. I'm gonna tell you what the Gator Bowl, the fourth quarter is the best game I've seen Clemson play all year. Defensively won that game. Is, is that not? But I want to. Hey, before, before you, let me. Hey, uh, Amy, Amy Taylor, happy birthday! Because we're gonna be a hey, the wrong a hey, the, the raw deal to be playing it. Uh, we got a birthday party Friday night at the Moose Club down there, and so all the people that know her. She's a Gamecock fan, and she's, she's, she gives me eight every time she sees me, but I still love her. Happy mm. birthday, girl. <laughs> and what band what
1: band is playing at the Moose Club?
2: Raw Deal. Raw Deal. Raw Deal. The Raw Deal.
1: Is that a good is that a good band?
2: Oh man. Me and my, my, the drummer, me and him grew up together. I grew up with these boys. Yeah, I'm a backup singer. I'm way back.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're way yeah. back. You're way back. I'm
2: the roadie. I had to talk your sub drums and stuff out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, they put they put a drink of a beer in my mouth and said, "Damn, let me get up on the mic."
1: <laughs> I don't blame them. I don't blame well, them. But
2: hey, All i right. tell you what they they play they jam now.
1: I bet. I bet that's it. Yeah. I bet that's a jam a lemma. Jam Hey,
2: I tell you, I tell you what, man. Yeah. I enjoy, It's another year of y'all putting up on Tiger Brian.
1: That's all right. You're welcome right, anytime. That, Thank y'all. you, Tiger uh, Brian. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tiger Brian, the backup singer, the wedding singer, Tiger Brian. Uh, we continue with Hank in Columbia, and Hank, welcome to Sports Talk. Good to have you with us.
4: Hey, corn. How's it going?
1: Fantastic.
4: Hey, um, you know, you could almost. Uh, the, I wasn't surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if Hardy see it come back, but I wasn't surprised that um, he was going to be let go. Um, you know, basically, on um, every college team, and you've heard it from everybody. You know, your running back, the running backs coach, just like you said, you tell them to run. If you you teach them pass pro, that's the coaching portion of it. But you tell them to run. But your running back coach on most of your teams has to be an outstanding recruiter. We've heard that through Spurrier's tenure, through Muschamp's tenure, even Holt said. The running back coach got to be able to go and get him. And um, Hardesty, you know, if you look at who he's brought in, he's had a hard time getting to get You know, he got Braswell, which was pretty good, but that was just one. And then they got Fuller this year, but, you know, I don't know if he was his major recruiter um, since where Fuller came from. Uh, but other than that, He's had a hard time getting in that talent at running back that you normally have to bring in. Because when a running back coach normally bring in not only running back talent, but it brings the talent at other positions. And so you got to remember, like, uh, um, Lloyd and Harris and all those, those weren't his recruits. Those are guys that uh, Tom, uh, Thomas Brown brought in that one year he was here, and he brought in two, two or three running backs that were pretty good.
1: Well, you're so, right. You're you know, right. I mean, you got to be able to recruit, and they have been less than impressive in that area in the running back room when you consider that this past season a D2 transfer emerged as your best running back, and now they've had some injuries. And, of course, they had to move a wide receiver to running back. So they've been short. They've been short in the running back room. So, yeah, you'd have to look at that as a deficiency, and – I'm sure when Shane Beamer evaluates his assistant coaches, he looks at on the field practice and teaching and development, and then what are you doing off the field to help bring in better talent? That all comes Coren, with the package.
4: Coin, coin, you, yeah, you got to be. There are certain coaches that got to be able to sign them, and, and running back is one. I I tell you a story, coin. I, a long,
5: years, years
4: ago, I was I was working as administrator over LR when Lance Lowry and Brandon Jameson came out. You know, I think, Lance, you know, and Lance played at Carolina. Jameson ended up with Clemson for maybe a year, and both of them got, uh, played at NFL. <laughs> and there was a guy, an Auburn running back coach that was down there trying to recruit Lowry, who was like a, a linebacker. And, it was two days. Larry didn't sign. I think he went and ended up walking on with us and was put on scholarship before we even got to spring practice. But the the guy from Auburn that was running around trying to recruit him, he hung around for two days after the signing day. It was almost like Auburn told him, if you don't come back with a recruit this time, just don't come back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Your credit card's are not going to work. Your credit card's not going to work. Your car's not going to crank. You can't get gas. You don't have a place to stay. Yeah, it sounds like Auburn yeah that so sounds like gotta,
4: so, I, so i would i would i would venture probably hardest the biggest issue has been that at that position you got to be able to you got to be recruit extra well because you're not in one of those positions where it's heavily developed development and, and anything else you got to be able to go and get them and every staff there are a couple of spots where you got to be a recruiter in those spots
1: <laughs> you are correct as always Hank, thank you very much. good hearing from you. Bottom of the hour break is coming up. Let's take a real quick, closer look at running backs at South Carolina the last three years. So this year you had Mario Anderson, who was a leading rusher, with 707 yards. You had to carry on Joyner, who was a converted wide receiver, with 120 yards. You had Juju McDowell, a true running back, with 63 yards. And you had D.J. Braswell with 25 yards. Okay, so not a whole lot – to choose from there, to be quite honest with you. You go to 2022, you had Marshawn Lloyd, who had 573 yards. You took Jaheen Bell, a tight end, you made him a running back, 261 yards. You had Juju McDowell, 219, Christian Beale-Smith at 156. Again, outside of Lloyd, from a pure running back standpoint, not a lot to choose from. In 21, that first year, you did have uh, Kevin Harris who rushed for 660 and Zaquandre White who rushed for 583 and Marshawn Lloyd who rushed for 228. Be right back. we're back at Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel, Chris Bergen is in Texas getting ready for his basketball game there tomorrow night. Phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. A couple lines have opened up, so we welcome your phone call if you'd like to get involved. Let me update a couple things, and then we'll get back to your phone call and we'll have uh, recruiting coming up for you a little bit later uh, on tonight here on the program. Again, that phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. And uh, in basketball tonight, besides the Clemson and uh, Miami game down in Florida, as the basketball season starts to uh, pick up turns uh, in terms of the, uh, the number of games, and the regularity of the games pretty much have games involving state teams almost every night now moving forward. We got somebody playing. So uh, tonight, Clemson at Miami. You got to Furman playing at UNC Greensboro. Wofford hosting VMI. It's Winthrop, home to Longwood. Upstate at UNC Asheville. Presbyterian at Charleston Southern. And the Citadel which had a very fine pre-Southern Conference season, taking on a very good Western Carolina team down in Charleston. Sorry, that's the slate uh, tonight around the state. As far as the ACC and SEC schedule goes for tonight as we start to, of course, get deep into league play. So tonight, around the ACC, you've got Georgia Tech at Florida State, Louisville at Virginia, NC State plays at Notre Dame. Uh, last night, North Carolina won at Pitt. Duke beat Syracuse. And who won that Wake Forest-Boston College game? Anybody remember last night, Wake Forest versus Boston College? I uh, Let's see if I can pull that game up real quick just to have that answer for myself. Wake Forest and Boston College. Uh, Wake won it 84-78. Okay. And the SEC. Uh, Tonight, as far as uh, the basketball slate is concerned, of course, South Carolina opens up on Saturday at home against Mississippi State. The uh, SEC, do they have any games tonight? Uh, Let's see. uh, Tuesday, January? No, so they don't play again. They had a couple of games last night. Uh, Tennessee won big over Norfolk State, 87 50. Auburn beat Penn, 88 68. And so Saturday, SEC play begins. Mississippi State. At South Carolina, that'll be the 12 o'clock game on CBS. It'll be Kentucky at Florida, Georgia at Missouri, Auburn at Arkansas, Alabama at Vanderbilt, Ole Miss at Tennessee, and LSU at Texas A&M. Okay, and the USC women play tomorrow night down in Florida. All let right, Let's continue to roll with your phone calls. As we go to Andy in Columbia. Andy. It's so good to have you with us here on Sports Talk. Welcome in.
6: Hey, Corn. Hey, Pat.
1: First off,
6: I thought at the Moose Lounge it would be rocking the bowling group, but, you know, that's just me.
1: But uh, moving on, does Mr. Moore <laughs> well, Coach- – Was that was – that, was there something – was that a joke? Were you trying to make well, it funny? It just went
6: over your head, Corn.
1: That's all right. <laughs> I did even- – <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead.
6: Do better. Uh – Coach Beamer, in my opinion, needs mm-hmm. to quit putting out these commitment alerts because it seems like he's kind of struck out on a few this past uh portal um, run. Right? We've uh, had some people that have that have claimed they're gonna commit and then when the commitment comes out they're gone into a different direction. Meeting the two Vanderbilt people.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. Both from the same school. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Yeah. yeah. The quarterback and the now, wide receiver. hmm.
6: What's the possibility for running back coach if the man who was up in Charlotte who just got canned mm. comes home to Columbia
1: to be coach, or are we just too cheap to pay him the money to get him to be coach? You're referring to Deuce Daly. That's right. Yeah. Um. Did you say he just did? did he got did, when when they got rid of. The, was he canned? Was he canned uh, with, uh, yeah, with Frank Reich? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He got canned with them. Well, uh, you know what? That's a great point, and it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, a great gamecock, wonderful history, NFL experience. But you know what it'll boil down to? But here again, when you if say, you can recruit? he recruit? Can you? But do you really have to be able to recruit today like you used to have to be able to recruit? Because you do have money now that can be your weapon. I mean, you might be a lousy recruiter and you're sitting there with a player and you might not have a really good relationship going, but I mean, look. I'm not saying all players and their families are thinking money first and all that. There's other factors that come into play. But we all know that that is a factor, and we all know there's a growing segment of that population, I'm talking about the recruits population, that's looking for the dough first. And so if you make an appealing enough financial offer, that would you know overcome any recruiting weaknesses you might have. I'd be one heck of a recruiter today. 'Cause first thing out of my mouth is how much will it take? Five hundred thousand? I can get that for you. Let's do it. But now, you know, no more visits. You're committed and you're mine and da 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 da. Five hundred thousand. No bidding war. Whatever it is. Whatever it takes. Um So I think really the, the, the concept of is he a good recruiter is somewhat not valid so much anymore because now you can just buy the players. You can just lay the money out there and say, Okay, this is what this is what you want. This is what we can give you. Where are we? Well, my personal opinion,
6: which doesn't count for anything. would we think. That well, it Duke counts as your Stanley personal opinion. opinion.
1: So Deuce Staley sitting in the house
6: has a little bit more pump to it than Lataria Odyssey. But that's just my opinion being a South Carolina person. I'm sure if you asked a Tennessee person, mm-hmm. it would say the opposite. But, you know, but the big question is, is this university – willing to put the money up to bring home a star that Deuce Daly was here and bring him back into the
1: fold? Well, I would say that they would. If that's the guy that Shane Beamer wants, I would think they will come up with whatever package it would take. If Deuce Daly is the best candidate for the job, if he wants the job, if he's the best candidate for the job, then I would say that they will come up with the money. Uh, they have done so before, and I think they would do so again. You look at what they were paying hardesty, and... How much was he making? Let's see here. Um, well, his his first contract was 300000 That was through December 31 of 2022. I think it went up... I think he got a a bump in there somewhere after that, but I don't think they were paying him a whole heck of a lot of money. I don't, I, in terms of what, of what teams pay their assistant coaches today. I don't think they were breaking the bank there. Now, do we know him another
6: year? Because if he if we re-signed him in twenty three, I mean, last year was it just for a year, or did they give him a two year contract? We should give him those coaches.
1: You know, I just saw a story – got to go back and look at it. I just saw a story on Gamecock Central where they listed the contractual status of all the assistant coaches. They must have had a sense that something was about to come down. Let me go back and pull that up, and I I can answer that question for you.
3: And while you do that, just to add something else real quick – sorry, Andy Mm – about Deuce Daly, let's keep in mind that – just pulling back up articles from why he left the Lions – the Lions let him out of his contract, so that he reportedly, so that he could be closer to his mother, who was dealing with health issues. And remember, Staley was here in Columbia. He was let go then when Frank Reich was let go. Looks like Panthers interim coach Chris Tabor came out and released a statement back on November 28th that it was his decision and his alone to fire quarterbacks coach Josh McCown and running backs coach Deuce Staley. I don't know what Deuce's salary was with the Panthers or previously with the Lions or the Eagles before that. But one caveat I will throw out there is, if I remember correctly, he's interviewed for multiple NFL head coaching jobs. And where I'm going with this is, would he be willing to forego potential, significantly more money, one would think, in the NFL or opportunities to be a head coach? And then could that even potentially cause any friction? If you're a Shane Beamer, do you want somebody coming in with head coach aspirations? Could that cause any friction within the locker room as well? I'm just spitballing here. But um, but him being from Columbia and obviously hope his mother is doing much better and healthy, but, uh, but if there's any concerns there, that may certainly lend reason to why he may want to stay here in Columbia. In January of 2023, last year, a year ago,
1: uh, the Gamecock assistant coaches got some new contracts and Hardesty got a new deal that paid him $400,000 per season with a contract that runs through – the end of this year. So he is under contract through the end of this year, December 31st, 2024. So he will be owed the rest of that contract unless they reach some sort of uh, agreement that reduces that amount. But why would you Why would you agree to that if you're the coach?
6: Exactly. Yeah. To me, in my opinion, it's going to take a million-plus to get Deuce here as running by a running back coach.
1: Well, you know what? If he's the best guy that you can get, if you scour the country and he is your best candidate and you're convinced he's going to make all the difference in the world, you pay what you have to pay to get him. I'd like to see It's not a my money. It's not my money. I'd like to see
6: Marcus <laughs> Lattimore here, but I don't think that's a possibility whatsoever.
1: I don't if think Marcus Lattimore has, Lattimore, has Lattimore has any interest in getting involved, involved in college football like this. So. All right, Andy, thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate well, you. Good evening. You too. Appreciate you. Phone number 888 898 Uh, Let's go quickly to uh, Gamecock Larry in Swansea. Gamecock Larry, I hope you're uh, still feeling well since we talked to you last night and you were feeling well, and we hope you're feeling well tonight. Good to have you with us. I'm
7: feeling well. Why do you always say
1: quickly? You want to cut old Gamecock
7: Larry short like you done last night? Oh, yeah. We only gave you
1: seven minutes last night, Larry.
7: No, you didn't do study come out coast to the Carolina because you don't have a college degree. That is the one thing that was brought up, up before they was talking about do study a couple, well, it's been a while, a long time ago, but he do not have a college degree, and somebody, somewhere, I don't know what rule it is, the way it came from, but he don't have a college degree and he cannot coach at South Carolina. Mm. I think now you check that out. You check that out and you
2: find no, I, out. I a think trailer.
1: I think I've heard that before. And yes, sir, you 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 might be you might be right about that. Maybe he never thought about yes. co- coaching in college, and thus he never, I, I guess, never went back and finished his degree. Uh, that's, a yes, that's a good point. That's a good point. Okay. But let me ask I'm, you this question. Uh, okay. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Why do you need a college degree to coach in college? I do not know. I don't know where the so where maybe the rule Gamecocks would just from? say the heck with that. We don't care if you have a college degree. We're, you're not here to teach philosophy, philanthropy. Okay. You're here to coach football. Okay, we well, don't care if you have a degree or not. That's right. That's what I'm trying to
7: tell them, but they won't listen to the old Gamecock. They won't listen to me. Mm-hmm. They, they, they—they they know everything. The old, old man don't know nothing. But I'm my man. That, that gentleman called every night. He's still on my mind. But I was, but I remember I was. When the last time I played football, they were still wearing leather helmets. Man, I will tell you what, that gentleman—he got under my skin, and I just wish he would call. And let me talk to him. Let me have a, what do you call it? Family feud or something like that. Mm. And get this thing squared away. And see who got the best college IQ. I mean, football IQ. Not college. I got football IQ. But uh, I I love Tiger Byron. He's the one Tiger that I love. Mm. And I. I got three hundred and fifty nine more days to listen to. Um, you're, not, you're not
1: calling every day over those three hundred fifty nine days, are you, Larry? Not that we would say something about a, it, but I, I, I,
7: in other words, you don't want to call. I won't call. I'll just no, I just didn't you. say
1: don't call for three every three hundred every day for three hundred fifty nine days. You can take a few days off and call. rest your voice. I, I ain't gonna call
7: every day, but I tell you what. I, I, uh, uh, you don't got me i foul. Oh, no, sorry, Larry. okay. How about how about this, Larry? Just
3: call us five days a week, Monday through Friday, and just don't call on the weekends. How about that?
7: Okay, that sounds <laughs> like a winner. Go Gamecocks, love you. No, I don't love you, Tigers. I don't know.
1: Go Gamecocks. All right, <laughs> thank you, Larry. Huh. Larry's counting it down day by day. I think we'll have an update every day on how many more days it is before the
3: Gamecocks and Tigers play again. In the Valley. I'm going to program the work phone here to redirect to your cell phone so he can <laughs> call you on the weekends, too. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Nothing more I'd look forward to than talking to Gamecock Larry on the weekend. All right, we got to run to a break.
1: And the phone number, 888-898-2525. We'll take more phone calls after the break. Got recruiting coming up for you. Upstate is trailing Asheville, 45-32. That's at the half. And Winthrop off to an 8-6 lead. On Longwood, as we uh, get the college basketball night underway, we'll be back after this break. Don't go away.
0: Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa.
3: George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor, David Abernathy, has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know
8: through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this Tsunami, Robbie? transferring the training to the grass, this may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces, and the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can
1: train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today.
8: Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 7.30, it's another edition of SC Wow from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network.
0: Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through Co-op Connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives. And as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com.
8: This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the second chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win 50 dollars 75 dollars or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much, so get your tickets today. See sceducationlottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second chance odds depend on number of entries received.
1: Back to your calls in just a second. 888-898-2525 is the number. Pass along a few other quick notes. Coastal Carolina and East Carolina announced future home-and-home football games. They last met in the 2022 Birmingham Bowl. East Carolina won that matchup 53-29. And they will play first in Conway. September 13th, 2025, then in Greenville on September 9th of 2028, okay? That's a natural good matchup there, East Carolina, uh, Coastal Carolina. Clemson and Kentucky drew 3.43 million viewers in the Gator Bowl on ESPN as the ratings are coming out. Georgia, Florida State, they drew – a rating of 5.2, which was 10.39 million. Missouri-Ohio State, 4.9 rating, which was 9.72 million. Ole Miss-Penn State, they drew a rating of 4.3, which equated to 7.77 million. All right, so Clemson and Kentucky, a rating of 1.9, and they drew 3.43 million viewers on ESPN. And a couple of other things. Told you about Jimmy Lindsay there at LSU. They fired the defensive coordinator, Matt House, as well as defensive assistant coaches, Kerry Cooks, Robert Steeples, and Jimmy Lindsay. Odds for the 2024 championship from bet online Clemson is 30 to 1. Gamecocks 250 to 1. Coastal 1,000 to 1. Georgia is 5 to 1. Alabama is 11 to 2. Ohio State is seven to one, Texas is nine to one, Michigan is ten to one, LSU Oregon twelve to one, Ole Miss fourteen to one, Florida State eighteen to one, and what else? Um, oh, this is interesting. From uh, front office sports, uh, Fox Sports is weighing a massive bid to potentially snatch all or parts. of... Of the CFP from ESPN, a source told FOS, after likely passing up on an NBA package, their CEO, one of the Murdochs, is building a war chest for other rights talks, according to front office sports. You wonder how much money they're thinking about throwing at the college people for the the playoff situation. Okay, let's go back to your phone calls. Approach the top of the hour. And it is Ray in Florence with us next. Ray, welcome in. How are you?
9: Hey, doing good, Phil. Doing good. Hey, uh, you, at the beginning of your show, you were talking about the uh, line at South Carolina. And I really agree behind that line. And I know we got injured as the year went by. But that very first game against North Carolina, we didn't do so hard, did we?
1: You broke up just a little bit, but you're asking about oh, okay. South Carolina and the offensive line versus North Carolina. Yeah, they um, they got hammered pretty good in that game against North Carolina.
9: Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and I, you know, since uh, Beamer's been here, and, and I'm a Beamer guy. I mean, I, I make no bones about it. I think he's that CEO coach, but being a CEO coach means, you know, he doesn't really bring, you know, an offensive scheme or defense scheme that he once ran, but I'm okay because, you know, he can recruit and that kind of thing, but if you're going to be a CEO coach, your school's got to give you the money to get the coaches, the uh, you know the coordinators and the position coaches. And I think we're a little behind on that, in my you know my humble opinion. And what's really kind of got me worried is the fact that two schools we play next year that were you know kind of in our condition a couple years or three years ago that really rose up the ranks fast, and that's Ole Miss and Missouri. Mm-hmm. And until we can get it right at Carolina and until we can get the type of offensive line and lineman and the, I guess the, um, the development of offensive lineman where we can fire off that line of scrimmage and push people back. And I mean, even the little schools, we have a problem doing that until I see that I'm, I'm really concerned about us as a football program because if you can't block man, can't run the ball, you, you know, you're, it's just smoking, uh, you know, smoking uh, mirrors as far yeah. as I'm concerned. But, uh, Hey, thanks a lot, Phil. Appreciate it, bud. Thank you, man.
1: Appreciate it. Gamecocks in that game against North Carolina, remember, they had a bunch of sacks. I think that uh, Rattler was sacked nine times, was it, I think, in that game? Eight or nine. They finished with minus two rushing yards, 300. That's a weird offensive line statistically. They had 351 uh, total yards. They passed for 353, and they had minus two rushing. I mean, that's... That's just an odd line. But they had a very difficult time that afternoon against North Carolina in Charlotte. Yeah, running the football, that's been a lost art for the Gamecocks, a lost art. And today the running backs coach took the brunt of the blame for it. But you got to also look up front. If you don't have those guys paving the way for your backs, it doesn't matter. Back after the break.
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number 888 898 2525. That's 888 898 2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network on this Wednesday night as we make that transition from football, football, football to basketball, basketball, basketball. We do love hoops, don't we? We do love our hoops in South Carolina. We produce great teams. We produce some great players. We've got some college teams off to excellent starts. We've got some high school teams who had excellent pre-region uh, records and now we're getting into uh, region play all across the state, working our way towards the state championships, which will all be played at the uh, Florence Center coming up in late February, early March. Time now for another edition of Hooping and Hollering. He's doing the hooping, we're doing the hollering. Coach John Combs joining us here on Sports Talk AD at Spring Valley High School, former basketball coach himself. Coach, it's great to have you with us. Welcome in. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy
10: New Year to everybody.
1: Thank you, sir. We had a terrific New Year. Hope you did as well. I imagine you watched a great deal of, well, I know you watched some football being a sports fan, but I also got to believe you found some uh, good high school basketball and college basketball to watch.
10: Well, there was great high school basketball just going in our own backyard at the Chick-fil-A Classic and Got to go out to River Bluff one day to watch some great games, and then had an opportunity to watch South Carolina in their final pre-conference tournament the other day on a pre-conference game past Saturday. So this, yeah, it's great for basketball and all sports during this whole break.
1: What did you learn about the the South Carolina teams that you saw playing in the Chick Fil A? What did you learn from watching those teams in action? Phil, I
10: think it, uh, and Coach Paseo will talk about, and we get him on here shortly, but South Carolina showed how good basketball talent we have in the state. I mean, you had Ridgeview who went 3-0. They went from, in some rankings, out of the top 100 to, I think, Max Preps is now number seven in the country Mm. um, based off of that. And you know what? They've earned it. Um, You know, Gray collegiate had a really good showing as well. Uh, Lexington High School had a great showing in the Beach Ball Classic. So South Carolina, and and those are just those teams. There's other teams, other players that showed out on a very high level. And the other team that won the other bracket of the Chick Fil A Classic was coached by a South Carolina uh, uh, native, in Jermaine O'Neal. So. South Carolina basketball is very good
1: right now. Let me ask you about Jermaine before we bring in Dion Bethea. What about Jermaine O'Neal, the coach? We know about him as the great high school player at Eau Claire and a great NBA player with several teams in the league. What about Jermaine O'Neal, the coach? Now, it helps to have a son who's a pretty good player, but what about him as a coach?
10: Well, I I will tell you this, uh, you know, it's not often, I I will tell you this, if you can win a Chick-fil-A Classic uh, tournament, any bracket, you're doing something right. And he's got a lot of good players on his team. He's building a good program out there. Uh, You know, he's turning into a very good basketball coach. And that's no surprise. I mean, his high school basketball coach was probably one of the best of all time. Not probably is one of the best of Mm. all time in Coach Yeah. And to have the type of career he had in the NBA, it should be no surprise that He's doing extremely well as a
1: coach. What do you think of his son as a player?
10: Man, he—this he, was my first time seeing him, and I was really impressed. He's—he's—he's he's, he's really good. You know, you always wonder about these guys that have a big-time father, and just how driven are they? He played well. I mean, I know he's picking up interest now. I think from Texas and uh, you know some other high major programs. So he. he he did himself a lot of favors playing in the
1: Chick Fil A Classic. Let's welcome in Coach uh, Coach Dion Bethay, head coach at Gray Collegiate in Columbia. No stranger to winning uh, in-season tournaments and postseason tournaments and championships. And Dion, it's great to have you with us. How are you? And happy holidays.
11: Hey man, happy holidays, man. I appreciate y'all having me
1: on, man. Listen, anytime we can get two great basketball minds together to hoop it up, we are more than willing to do so. So. First of all, uh, fill us in on the, uh, the Gray Collegiate team, the, the War Eagles, and how you feel you guys have played uh, to this point of the season as you get ready to go into region play.
11: Well, we've been, we've been playing really good, man. Um, you know, this is the first year. This is my 10th year at Gray, and, um, you know, this is the first year we don't have a traditional point guard, so we're doing it by committee. But, um, you know, a lot of the events that we're playing in, it only makes us that much better, you know, when we get ready to make a run for six. You know, uh, we went to Illinois and played four really, really good games and lost in the championship game to a really good Hoover team. But, um, you know, like Coach Combs said, the Chick-fil-A Classic, man, it was in the national bracket, played against the number two team in the country, and it was a great game. I mean, it was 2,800-plus, out to see it. Hmm. You know, and, and the kids, they, they competed, and they played hard. They didn't back down. I mean, a lot of people thought it was going to be a blowout. But, you know, like Coach Combs said, too, man, it's a lot of, lot of great teams and a lot of talent here in South Carolina. You know, so, um, you know, but but once again, man, like, you know, with, with my group, we got Trey Maddox. He's one of the top juniors in the country at 6'7". You know, he's been being recruited by a lot of SEC schools and ACC schools as well. Um, Braylon Thomas, a 6'6", senior. He's committed to Georgia Southern. Um, Ellis Graham, a 6'10", senior. He's down on his official visit at Charleston Southern. And um, I'm pretty sure that's going real well. And um, we're expecting a commitment either tonight or first thing tomorrow morning. And then we got Darius Carr, you know, 6'7". Um, senior that comes off of the bench, he's committed to um, Wingate, a Division II school, and, uh, you know, that's a great fit for him. And then we got L.J. Britt, really good junior. You know, so um, it's a lot of good talent there. You know, we're just trying to, you know, still figure each other out and still put it together, man, and, uh, you know, get ready, um, you know, to finish out the season because we don't have recent games, of course, which is fine, but we replace them with better games anyway.
1: So, are you facing the same situation that the football team faced, no region games?
11: Yeah, it was um, – I guess it was It was spread um, through all the sports, you know. But um, I like it this way better, man, because, you know, like and, – and I'm not knocking any of those other teams, but, you know, like um, – you know, like tomorrow night at 7 p.m. we get an opportunity to play against a USC commit Um kid uh, play with Drive Academy. I think they're out of Ohio. Uh, uh, Switzerland team or something like that. So we get a chance to play them. Um, we play uh, Chapin on Friday on Watch Fox. And then Saturday we go to Greenville and play Pebble Brook in a showcase. So, you know, just just a lot of really, really good basketball against some some really good teams.
1: Sounds like it. I mean, do you have enough game scheduled to fill out a a slate to get you to the to the postseason here in South Carolina?
11: Well, I didn't – you know, all it takes for me is somebody to sit there and say they're going to do something. So in July, myself and uh, Mark Cooper, uh, he's our director of basketball operations. We had a second schedule put together anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that way if something did happen, which it did, you know, um, we always had the backup there. And, it, you know, it was a lot of people that wanted to play games. You know, and and there was a lot of teams that was locally that wanted to play, and you know, you know so we didn't we didn't have any issues replacing those games because at the end of the day, my job as a coach is to make sure my kids get opportunities too, you know. And I, I just just got t- like the reason I didn't get into all that. Everybody say they're about the kids, but how about we be about both kids? And our kids are important, too, because they need the opportunity to get exposure in the play competition, too. So, you know, it just worked out for us, man.
1: So next year you'll be in 4A, and your enrollment figure is listed at 1,296. You'll be the seventh largest in terms of the enrollment figure. You'll be the number seven team in 4A. Uh, So are you ready? You're ready to step up? into that classification
11: i'm super excited i'm super excited um we don't have any complaints um you know uh you know it, it's you know to me i think the competition gonna be you know really really good you got to play every night you know regardless of what region they put us in but mm-hmm. you know i i didn't care if it was five eight none of the coaches you know complained or said anything you know people keep talking about oh they're going to pill. Well, we never had not one conversation since we got back off the break about appealing anything. You know, our thing is we want to compete and we want to play against good competition, just like everybody else.
1: Coach Combs, want to jump in the conversation? Got a few questions for Coach Pathay?
10: Well, one thing for Coach Pathay to give him credit, he always plays really good competition. Uh, he's not scared to play anybody. we will certainly play anybody, everybody. Coach, when you're playing these events, um, these high-level events, most, I imagine a lot of them now have a shot clock. How do you like having uh, playing in those events to have a shot clock, and what are your thoughts about South Carolina trying to adopt one full-time?
11: Well, I just want to say Coach Combs is one of my favorite coaches because he sees the vision. The shot clock is very much needed in South Carolina. I think... I think it is an unbelievable thing to have because it speeds the game up. And not only that, it gets our kids ready for the next level. You know, um, I I think the shot clock is definitely something that we need here. And we need to definitely make sure we we go ahead and and move forward on. um, I had a meeting today about fundraising so we can go ahead and get shot clocks. Hmm. Because like I said, man, I, I think that's the next step.
10: Well, Coach, talk talk to me a little bit more about Braylon Thomas and the, the, the showcase he had. I know he played extremely well extremely well in the Chick-fil-A Classic. What makes him such an impactful player for you?
11: Man, I mean, he has a, a great body. He buys into the weight room. Um, change of pace game is really, really good. I mean, of course, he needs to cut down on his turnovers. But, um, you know, he's in the gym um, constantly, just working on his game and, and, and getting better. And um, he's a team player. You know, um, he shows a lot of leadership, you know, in our group chat, you know, with with the team and the coaches. But, um, you know, Georgia Southern, you know, just like with Avante Parker, you know, like they're not getting steals. They're getting really, really good basketball players that's going to places that are great fits for what they're looking for. You know, those kids want to play and be on the floor. You know, he's a high major kid, you know, but he can go to a mid-major and be an impact player, from the start, and if him going to a high major, that's what they got the transfer portal for. So he want to go in and play right away.
1: Well, I know that you don't have region games to worry about, obviously, but uh, Coach Combs, the rest of the coaches in the state, uh, they do, and things are going to get hot and heavy here over the rest of January and February, and the competition is going to be outstanding across the state, 1A through 5A. We encourage people to get out And watch some high school basketball in South Carolina.
10: Absolutely. Some of the region play starts off Friday night. I know uh, Westwood and AC Floor go at it in a really important 4A region matchup that's two top 10 caliber ones. And it won't be long. The Martin Luther King Day showcases will be going on. And and, uh, I know Gray Collegiate is number two in 2A, and they're going to be playing on uh, Ridgeview, who's number one in 4A mm.
6: um,
10: and on that Monday. And so that's you've got great basketball coming up, and like I said, with region play starting, it's going to be an awesome start to the basketball season.
1: Well, we encourage everybody to get out and support these basketball teams. Dion, as always, thank you. Congratulations on the terrific start. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll be keeping in touch as the season wears on. And Coach Combs, we thank you as always – Some hooping and hollering with us here on Sports Talk. We really appreciate it.
11: Man, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you, Deion.
1: thank you very much. Thank you, Coach Combs. Okay, there you go. Hooping and hollering on Sports Talk every Wednesday night with Coach John Combs and a special guest that he uh, arranges for us. Let's update the basketball for you. Asheville 63, Upstate 40, Longwood 23, Winthrop 20. Virginia 14, Louisville 12, Florida State 12, Georgia Tech 7, Charleston Southern 11, PC 8, Citadel Western tied at 14. Be right back. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint.
8: That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, go Go Outdoors SC in your App Store. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 7.30, it's another edition of SC Wild from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required.
10: You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you.
0: Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity. And members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts and sporting events through Co-op Connections touchstone energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives and as a member the power is yours experience the power of co-op membership with touchstone energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com
1: All right, time for the recruiting report. It is brought to you by our good friends over at Seawells, the very best in the catering business, not just in South Carolina, but all around the world. That is Seawells. You come on down and you work with the Seawells folks on your big events, and you can have them entertain your people there at their location on Rosewood Drive, beautiful, beautiful building, or they'll come to your location. You just tell them what you're looking for, what you need, and they'll work it out with you. Their phone number is 803 771 7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. And don't forget
3: the daily luncheon buffet, which is cranking back up tomorrow, right? That's right. Tomorrow, Seawells will reopen at 11 a.m. Do not yet have a menu, so it's a bit okay. of a surprise, but I can guarantee you it will be delicious.
1: Over, under on the length of the line to get in in terms of yards. Ooh, in terms of yards. I could Gosh. say miles, but I'm trying to be humble here. Yeah. I'm going to say uh,
3: 29 and a half yards. <laughs> <laughs> got to put right. that half in there make it a little, a little interesting, you know. That works for me. Make sure you get there, 11 to
1: 2, best buffet in the buffet business. That's at Seawells. Across from the fairgrounds. All right, recruiting. South Carolina having some recruits in. Transfers. Of course, they got a commitment from somebody. And don't know who it is yet. Houston transfer offensive tackle Ruben Unije, 6'5", 3'10", said it's not him. He didn't get there until late this afternoon. So he's taking his official visit. He spent a season at Illinois, then a season at junior college before landing at Houston. He's out of IMG Academy in Brayton, Florida. And the Gamecocks actually offered him in 2017 before he ultimately committed to Illinois. He has also picked up offers from Virginia Tech, Southern Cal, and Colorado. Wes Mitchell, Gamecock Central, reported North Carolina Central grad transfer offensive guard and offensive center. Why did you say offensive center? Center and offensive guard, Torricelli Simpkins, six three three zero five. He's at USC today. He might be one who committed but don't know. He's a Charlotte native. Third team, FCS All-American, HBCU All-American, MEAC Offensive Lineman of the Year. ECU and Colorado State have also offered. Also scheduled to be in for a visit today, Louisville transfer wide receiver Amari Huggins-Bruce. Gamecocks might be in good shape to get him, considering the ties. And here's a situation where maybe he wanted to get back home. Now, the Gamecocks were going to have Louisville transfer, not Louisville, Louisiana transfer quarterback Zeon Chris in for a visit, but he committed to Houston. Miami of Ohio transfer wide receiver Gage Lavadian is also scheduled to be in for a visit to Columbia. TCU transfer quarterback Chandler Morris has said he's going to visit this week, but we've not gotten a confirmation on a date. James Madison transfer receiver Elijah Surratt and Troy transfer receiver Jabray Barber have also been reported as expecting to visit the Gamecocks this week. Hale McGranahan, the Big Spur, reported the Gamecocks also have in official visits. Linebackers Demetrius Knight of Charlotte, Bengali Kamara of Pittsburgh, and Manny Powell of Arkansas. Knight is 6'2", 247, he was an all-conference performer this season with 96 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, three interceptions, began his career at Georgia Tech and his visit was to start today. Kamara, 6'2", 230, also has offers from Mississippi State, Baylor, Kansas and UCF since entering the portal. Played in 47 games with Pitt, totaled 117 tackles, 11 and a half for loss, five sacks, one interception, nine pass deflections. His visit is scheduled to begin tomorrow. And Powell, 6'3", 231, a native of Fayetteville, Arkansas, played in 27 games and recorded five tackles in his two seasons with the Razorbacks. He is scheduled to be in on Saturday. Also, last night... Pete Nakos of On3 reported that Clemson receiver Brennan Spector put his name in the transfer Portal John. In his career, he had 38 catches, 372 yards, two touchdowns. He was beset with injuries and illness, I believe, injuries and illness uh, during his career with the Tigers. Hammond School tight end Mike Tyler, 6'5", 225, has gotten some recent offers, including of course, South Carolina at the end of November, Virginia, UCF, Wake Forest, earlier offers FAU, West Virginia, Georgia Southern, NC State, Appalachian State, East Carolina, Coastal Carolina, Duke, Cincinnati, and Liberty. He will be taking Junior Day visits this month to Cincinnati and West Virginia. His unofficial visits last year included USC, Appalachian State, ECU, Wake Forest, Coastal, and Cincinnati. He said he's hearing the most at this point from Cincinnati, West Virginia, and Georgia Southern, said his contact from USC has been at a moderate level. He does not have a current favorite. Last season, 33 catches, 543 yards, and seven touchdowns as he was part of a third state championship team. For him, I think Hammond's, how many in a row they won? But he's won a state championship every year in high school. There you go with recruiting for now. Don't forget to check it out regularly on our website, sportstalksc.com.
3: On Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting. Phil, do you not think Daniel Hill, do you think that he is not going to be announcing to the Gamecocks? Is any chance you think he might be that? No, nah, you know, everything seems now to be pointing towards Alabama. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, you just look at the number of running backs the Gamecocks have already taken sure. in this class. You just think, I mean, would you take another one? Um, I mean, he's very good, but I just think at the end of this whole thing, his father's probably one out. The dad wanted him to go to Alabama, closer to home. It's Alabama. Can you blame him? No. Just After, curious. Yeah. Now, you know, Alabama did lose at least two of their starting offensive linemen to the Portal John today. So even Alabama, they're not immune to it either. Okay, we're going to hit the break coming up. It's the Major Billy Downer with SC Wild. Be right back.
0: Now on Sports Talk, it's S.C. Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's S.C. Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network.
1: All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. We morph into S.C. Wild from the Department of Natural Resources, our first show of the 2024 year. Major Downer will be with us in just a moment, as I mentioned earlier in the program. As the build-up to tonight's segment with uh, Major Downer, we're going to be talking about waterfowl here in South Carolina as we hit Perhaps a little cold stretch. It's chilly out there right now. we got some rain moving in. Maybe a perfect time to go out and hunt some waterfowl here in South Carolina. Let's welcome Major Billy Downer from the Department of Natural Resources. Happy New Year to you, sir, once again. Great to have you back for another year of SC Wild here on Sports Talk.
12: Hey, it's good to be here. Happy New Year to you. And here we go again for yet another year of <laughs> SC Wild. Starting off here on January the 3rd. Uh, we're going to do a little waterfowl update before we get going. Um, I'm going to have uh, Molly come in in just a moment. Uh, we, we, we're talking about, we just we really got uh, a really uh, interesting talk tonight. Probably uh, folks may know about it, may not know about it. We're going to talk about uh, the influx of the avian flu that's been now come to light. But first I want to talk about waterfowl hunts, uh, on our management areas just to give folks an update We kind of like to give you an update of where, what the top areas are. And this year right now, start, starting off the new year, it looks like Murphy Island is leading the way as it typically has, uh, with an average of 5.2 ducks per man. Uh, and that's the last hunt that we had recorded. Uh, The top duck in the bag was Gabwall. A second duck in the bag was American Wigeon. And a third duck in the bag was Northern Pintail. I mean, you're talking about an awesome hunt as far as if those are your top ducks. That's incredible. Gabwall, Wigeon, and Pintail. So really exciting there. Um, Your your, uh, your third, your your second, excuse me, second, Area basically for the for the last report would be the Cape, which is right there also at Sandy Coastal, um, at 3.9 birds per man, a uh, duck per man. Top duck in the bag there being gadwall again, uh, and your number two duck or behind that was going to be blue winged teal, uh, followed closely behind by green winged teal. Uh, so yeah, that that's kind of indicative of what we see. Uh, as far as your, your ducks uh, in that area, a lot of gab wall uh, on the coast, pintails, uh, wigeons, kind of fun to see wigeon be back in the bag again uh, at uh Sancti Coastal area on Murphy Island. And then for the round out, uh, this last report looks like broad river WMA uh, was at 3.2 ducks per man. Interesting, Broad River hits the scale here. I think some other areas are closed, but Broad River came in. The top duck there, pretty much the only duck there, was Green Wing Teal with one gab wall. So they shot all Green winged Teal except for one gab wall. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, if you look in the bag of model duck, Bear Island seems to be the lead on that. Uh, Murphy Island had 11 model ducks in the bag, but Bear Island had, looks like Bear Island East had 12 model ducks in the bag. Again, with 2.3 overall, so slower days on Bear Island. But uh, again, Murphy Island strong at 5.2, with leading with Gabwall, followed by Pin Tail, and then the fourth spot would be Model Duck. So, uh, Murphy Island looks like the place to be uh, right now on the coast. Um, so, that's a wrap-up of our Category 1 areas. You know, those hunts will continue on through the end of this month. Uh, we are uh, hearing a good bit of success. Uh, hunters across the way from Lake Marion to the coast. Um, some hunters getting some, some good success here and there on some spot hunts. Uh, Gadwall. I've a lot of redheads, uh, interestingly enough in the bag here and there and pintails. So pintails, obviously we've had a good hatch this year. It's like they're around. Uh, so getting a lot of pintails in the bag as well. But, uh, let's bring Molly in and welcome her in mm-hmm. and, uh, just want to kind of get her take on that before we hit to the uh to the avian flu. Molly, thanks for being a part of the show
5: tonight. Hey Major Downer, appreciate y'all having me on. You got me uh you got me wishing I had put my, 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 my preference point in for Murphy Island.
12: <laughs> I, I know. I swear next year that's gonna be my top one probably between the out and the cake. But yeah, <laughs> I, I mean how much better does it get? Gabwall, wigeon,
5: pentails and then followed by Molly Dug really. I absolutely um, you know I think I think we've hunted sixty seven people so far on Murphy and uh what was our let's see what was our uh our pintail number there the high 50s that's that's really impressive for pintail so uh,
12: right, must be right. the
5: pintail year on the coast
12: yeah have you have you heard that from local plantations otherwise you heard that or is that you just what we're you know
5: seeing? I, i've seen a bunch of pintails trading up and down the black and the pd and um the all few pintails uh uh in the uh Santee Delta last uh last Friday and Saturday. So it's, uh, it seems like it's just a pretty good pintail year all around. I know some of these plantations are really doing well on those birds as, as well. So um might be the year of the pentail.
12: Yeah. I know I have heard for wild ducks um off the Santee Delta okay uh hunters hunting um uh in public waters, gadwall, redheads Kind of been a, a, a little high point for folks, you know, killing some wild ducks, which has been really cool. Um, but I mean, again, I can remember days going out and you killed two birds on the on public water. You were happy. Um, that's and right. If you're killing a pintail, a gab wall, or even a redhead, I, I'd be extremely happy, honestly, come back to landing. And I know some young boys have killed redheads. Hmm. So, I mean, hey, success is up. Molly, let's, um, let's kind of focus on this. I know. I just, I first heard about this before Christmas uh, at a Christmas party. And afterwards, I got a phone call from a friend who, who was in the chicken house business. Uh, and he was very concerned and was asking me some questions, and I didn't know anything about it. Then I come to find out looking at emails. We, we started kind of I call it uh, Emily Cote in our, in our wildlife section here, as you well know. And she said, hey, we, we've, we've got some reports. Uh, the avian flu has we've had some positive avian flu ducks in the state um, let's talk about that for a minute let's start off by saying what is avian flu can we start there my for a minute just what is the avian flu
5: absolutely so yeah avian flu as you'll hear a lot of people just call it bird flu um you know there's always bird flu uh in the in the environment major downer you know typically you'll hear it Lately, what you hear people talk about is HPAI, ha- highly pathogenic avian influenza. Um, there's also a low-path version, so that low-path version is always in the environment. Um, this high-path is what we have right now that's causing a die-off in our wood ducks, and that high-path is very concerning for our commercial poultry industry, which we know um, timber and poultry is really big for our economy in South Carolina, so a uh, pretty, right. pretty big concern. Um for a lot of folks here in the state but high path ai even low path ai something that naturally occurs in the environment um we have had this high path before it tends to cause us the most problems with commercial poultry um certain certainly something that we don't want to get in commercial poultry flocks it's pretty uh, pretty decimating for those birds um but uh always in our flocks and kind of around but uh high path seems to be something that kind of kind of pops up every couple years the last time we had it was about 2016 and it it kind of held to the West Coast, but um, let's see. I think it was December of 2021, and just some routine sampling that DNR does in cooperation with the USDA. Um, we'll swab, do some. If, you, if you've been on some of our state lottery hunts, you may have seen us using, using these long cotton swabs to uh, swab the throats of um, of hunter-harvested birds, and that's actually how we detected high-path AI in December of 21 um, was the first time it's been in the U.S. since 2016, and so just some routine monitoring and uh, found found this in, in South Carolina and other parts of the Atlantic Flyway, and it kind of progressed across the U.S. since, uh, since December of 21, but this wood duck die off that you referenced right before Christmas is really kind of the first big uh, waterfowl influence that we've had in South Carolina um, since we first found this in, in January of 21, so um pretty concerning for a South Carolina waterfowl hunter, you know majority of sixty percent of our waterfowl harvest in south Carolina is, is wood ducks so um if you're right. someone like myself that likes to likes to hunt the woods and hunt the swamps, you know wood duck's pretty important for us so um but uh I've seen some some die offs of seventy five to a hundred birds per site um in places
10: and which is which is, which
5: is i mean that's
10: a lot of birds It birds is. They're
5: floating in the pond basically you know. It it is, you know, it's, it's pretty pretty concerning. You know, you, you go out to hunt or you're scouting the hunt, and you, you start seeing you know four or five wood ducks here and there. And if you've hunted recently, you know, some of these guys are thinking, well, maybe those are maybe those are cripples. Um, but uh, you know, they start they start looking and they start seeing more more dead wood ducks that are just you know perfect birds, and then they'll come across one that's maybe showing some neurological signs. That bird will be swimming in circles and kind of bobbing its head. Um, you know, just really unaware of, of what's going on around it. And that's a, usually a pretty pretty typical sign that that bird has um, has avian flu or bird flu. So, um, so pretty pretty concerning. You know, Williamsburg County seems to be a hot spot for us. Um, kind of was the first place that I think you and I both heard of right around uh, the opening of the season there, around December the twelfth. Um, right. Was the first reporting that I got, and so had places pop up in um Colleton and Hampton and Clarendon Clarendon
12: Jackson
5: County. County yep. So I, I so know um, of two re-
12: waterfowl impoundments in Clarendon that uh reported mass, you know, when I say mass, you know, like you said, 50-75 wood ducks and it tends to be seems like when water, like wood ducks are roosting in the evening is when they're finding it. That's right. The next yep, morning yep. maybe. So yeah, you know, these, With, these wood ducks, which people would understand that ducks wood ducks. Typically congregate
5: at night. That's right. That's right. Like to congregate to roost. And so um, it's an easy way when those birds have that virus and they're shedding it, you know, it really spreads from bird to bird really quickly just because of your just natural behaviors of of what these wood ducks do, just kind of grouping up like this. So um, I think you kind of mentioned, though, most people are finding these in corn impoundments. Once people kind of branch out of the corn impoundments, they start kind of looking at local swamps or finding a handful of birds here or there. But the greatest concentration are in our really intensively managed and planted waterfowl areas. It seems.
6: Right. So let
12: me ask you a question: High path versus low path is high path basically a very is it is it is it a more contagious strain?
5: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not a virologist, but you know, my basic understanding is is it tends to be um kind of more. Well, contagious. Let me go ahead and stop you. Let
12: me go ahead and stop you right there for a minute. You just lost Phil and I. Say that one. That was a, That's probably a fifteen dollar word. What was that word again?
5: So a virologist. I'm not someone that studies viruses. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm just, just just a waterfowl biologist over here. But based, based on what I understand, is that you know, is that kind of like a um, duckologist?
12: Because I'm I quite like to think I'm a duckologist
5: sometimes. Hmm. Hey, me too. Me too. One and the same. So. Uh, yeah. Go. Cool. Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think that yeah, that high path. It tends to be, um, it tends to be, you know, I, I guess you could say more contagious and kind of um, our domestic birds just can't really tolerate it as well. It's pretty common for our wild birds to contract high path um, and really persist. Just a healthy bird in the environment, you know, it's 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 been pretty common cool. the past couple of years for. Our hunters to, to harvest birds, and when we're we're testing those birds, you know, hunter harvested birds test positive for high path, and um, you know, they're healthy, they're they're safe for us to consume, they're safe for us to eat, you know, as long as we're cooking those birds well, and you know, just really being um, taking care of our of our game as we as we prepare. It. So, um, really, so that
12: goes to one point. Well, that's one thing I want to point out. You know, in our public statement or in our which uh, who've said it's low risk to humans, and people are often quick to point. Well, I don't mean it's no risk. Well, you can never say there's no risk at anything. You know, that's right. But one of the things I always tell people is remember this when it comes to any wild game, deer, duck, dove, dove doesn't matter to me. Always, always clean it. If you smell something funny, if something doesn't look right, you know, you see. You know, I used to say this. If you see something green or anything, you you know, throw that away. But that's right. if you take regular meat, it's got good, good color, good smell, and whatever, and just normal smell and wild game, always freeze game before you cook it. Always freeze it. That's my rule. If you freeze it, that's going to help get rid of a lot of problems. And then cooking. Now, my first thing when you say cook it well, well, nobody does that. Let's be honest. If that's we're cooking right. game, we're cooking in medium rare. Come on. Medium, medium rare. We don't cook it well or it turns like to leather. So. That's why I always wanna point out, make sure to freeze game, always freeze it. Uh, deer, duck, all of it, dove, because that helps to remove a lot of problems right there by freezing it. You get rid of the bacteria right there. Now, as far as this, moving into other birds right now, this will make sure I'm repeating what you said and, and what I know so far is, we've only seen this in wood ducks so far, is that correct?
5: Yep. So predominantly in wood ducks and our waterfowl, we have had reports of a handful of winged teal and a handful of ring okay. eggs, but those are the only three species that I've had reported at, the, at this point in time. And okay. um, so, so predominantly those, those three species. So if anyone's, you know, out and about checking impoundments and they're seeing other things, you know, certainly give the radio room a call. It's something I would love to talk to people about.
12: All right. So let's, let's, let's do take a moment to mention that. So if you do find birds, Uh, Waterfowl and impoundments or elsewhere that seem to be sick, dead, not shot, and you want to report it, you can report that to our radio room at 1-800-922-5431. That's 1-800-922-5431. That's 24 hours a day, manned. They will always cancel the phone. But one thing I want to point out as we're talking a little bit more is what are we talking about? How do we prevent transmission? What's our best steps for people. I know I've seen some things about wearing gloves when you're cleaning birds. Um, can you talk about that just a little bit real quick, what, what we're trying to tell people to do?
5: Yep, absolutely. T- you know, take care to, uh, to uh, if, you're, if you're, you are you're know, we're not really asking people to go out and, you know, seek out dead birds. And if you got a small impoundment and you're seeing a handful of dead wood ducks, you know, put some gloves on, go out in that impoundment, you can get those birds up and bury them. Um, that's pretty important because we've got vultures and eagles that'll scavenge off of these these uh, deadwood ducks, and um,
12: those. It'll transmit animals. to them. That.
5: That's right, and so it also can be transmitted to uh, kind of scavenging mammals, who, um, so foxes and coyotes and bobcats can also contract this. You know, it's even a, a slight risk for um for our retrievers. So. Uh, Major, I know, I know you're a, you're a dog guy. You love, you love my as much mm-hmm. as I do. So, um, you know, if you got a trained dog, the dog's got good bird manners. I'm still hunting my dog. Um, you know, just don't let your dog be, be really mouthing and chewing or ingesting, ingesting birds. You know, make sure you take birds from dogs quickly. Um, definitely don't let them be ripping the breast out of your birds. You know, just, just good bird handling manners is, um,
12: is really a First really of good all, that's a here. very bad dog. We don't want that in the blind period,
5: too. Absolutely. I don't want not going one to be our birds to death. No. Absolutely. Sorry. But, uh, but yeah. But another so, thing so I know
12: to tell folks, folks that are out there that may be in the chicken house industry and uh, in the, in the commercial bird industry is, you know, as far as what are we doing, we're, like you said, we're continually testing where we can. We've been monitoring over the years. It's not something like we're just totally reacting. We've actually been looking for it. Um, But when you're cleaning birds, they're talking about make sure that you don't wear the same clothes, boots, anything to the chicken house. If you're a chicken house farmer and you're duck hunt, you need to keep those clothes separate. Um, I think that's a big point to be made, you know, as we discuss this, just going a little further. Just make sure you don't cross-contaminate, which we always talk about. Again, I think rubber gloves are probably the best. When you're talking about cleaning birds right now, I remember when this came out, shoot, Avian flu, what, 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, um, yeah. We had we big started talking now. about that, and um, we told people to wear gloves and they're cleaning doves, whatever. And I think that's just always a good idea uh, to wear gloves uh, because that just protects you from any contamination. Again, throw those gloves away. Um, you know, throw your trash, uh, bird parts, whatever, make sure you throw those away, proper trash can, trash areas, uh, recycling bins, whatever. Um and you wash your clothes, you know, after you clean, that kind of thing. Um, just smart using your head, basically. But to date, as far as we know right now, and I am going to mention this lightly because I've heard this a little bit, and I want to make sure we're being honest and truthful, um, there hasn't been any reports of this in the mallard population at all uh, to date. We don't have any news of this being in any uh, impoundments other right now than wood ducks for the most part, like you said, a few green-winged green, teal, um, uh, ringnecks. As far as we know, this is a natural. Uh, this has been a natural uh, occurrence. Yeah, correct. It just absolutely. It, it just it, it's just what happened.
5: Absolutely. Yeah, folks that really tracked wildlife diseases um, really picked up on this as early as the summer of 2020, and um, we're telling you know biologists in north america to be aware because it was making its way through northern africa and europe but it was likely coming our way and so it started in, in wild bird populations so uh and that's that's where we first detected it here so it certainly comes from wild birds and um and like you said you know at this point wood ducks and 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 teal and um a handful of ringnecks you know it's not really not really showing up in our mallards or black ducks or uh Really, any any other uh, species of waterfowl right now, which is which is really good news. So.
12: Super. So, what about other states around us? Do we know what's going on around us, other states?
5: Yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't really heard. Uh, last I heard, I, I talked to my colleague in Georgia. They weren't seeing any really any impact of AI um, before Christmas. I have heard of one or two small scale die offs in North Carolina related to wood ducks. Um, and I believe those are pretty close to the South Carolina state line so as far as wild birds those are really the only reports that I've received at this time and um, as far as waterfowl is concerned you know we have throughout the last two years really seen an impact on black vultures in the state and, and a number of eagles and so I really you know maybe kind of anticipate our eagle impact to maybe increase as we go a little further into the winter and um, but the good news but is, the eagles is that do e-
12: eagles do eat waterfowl, and they're going to be they scavengers do. too on dead waterfowl.
5: Absolutely, and that's uh, <laughs> that's how they can track that. So, but uh, the good news is, once it starts warming up and we get to the summer, we should really see a lot of these impacts lessen and, and kind of kind of play out, which is which is good news.
12: So. Right. So, I know we've got a, just a few minutes left. Let me ask a question: Is there any any science to why it's wood ducks?
5: You know, it's, it's really not. It's it's really kind of caught us by surprise. Um, USDA does a lot of routine uh, testing throughout the year, and I think they've tested since May of 2023 close to 3,900 wood ducks across the nation, and only 22 of those have tested positive for high-path AI. And so, uh, so you yeah, know, the impact on wood ducks in South Carolina is, is pretty unique. And um, it, it's really it's really got us asking some questions right now as to why, why wood ducks. And it could just be that, you know, this specific clade or, or strain per se, of uh, avian influenza, um, you know, really hits wood ducks harder than, than, you know, a similar strain that we've had before. Kind of like we have human flu A or flu B. You know, there's different types of, of bird flu and it just, uh, it may impact our wood ducks a little more than, than what we had in, in 2021.
12: And I, I would ask the obvious question: that wood ducks do migrate, so could it be a migration of ducks from out of state that came here and brought it? I mean,
5: it could be, you know. Be, when, you know, it could, know. It, yeah, it could. It could be, you know, kind of anecdotally. Um, Almost, I started uh, started receiving port reports of wood duck die offs. I started having a lot of people tell me about killing banded wood ducks from. From uh, from states in the Northeast, so it could have kind of been triggered by a migration event. Um, just kind of maybe these birds were had had high pass AI and just kind of the strain of a migration just kind of you know tipped the scales for them. So, number of things that it could be, but uh, I think the good news is is I have received fewer and fewer calls over the past three or four days, and so hopefully we're kind of hopefully we're kind of tailing off and things are kind of leveling out for us, and um, and uh, we won't have many of these events for the rest of the season. Hopefully,
12: my fingers are crossed. Absolutely. Well, Molly, I know I, I appreciate you coming back on the show. I appreciate your insight on this, on avian flu again. Folks, remember it is naturally occurring. Um, low risk to humans. We just you know ask you to clean birds with rubber gloves, freeze birds, cook them best you can you know, to an internal temperature. I think the, the suggestion is 165, uh, and that removes any bacteria. But um, Anyway, again, Molly, thanks for the show tonight coming in and Phil, another first-year edition of SC Wild.
1: Yes, sir. Great way to kick it off. Molly, thank you. We appreciate you very much. Look forward to talking to you again. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank and you. And, Major, thank you. We're off and running. Great year of 2024. Look forward to seeing you soon, sir. Yes, sir. Take care. All right, there you go, S.E. Wild. And the news just breaking a few moments ago, Will Shipley announcing he's moving on to the NFL. So there you go. Phil Moffa will have the ball if he wants it at Clemson. Talk more about it tomorrow night. Thank you, Pat. See you tomorrow.